Hi, I'm Oki, and welcome to Tell Welcome back to another episode of Tell Me About Your Book. I'm really excited to talk to author Debbie Meltzer Quick, who's written a really interesting book that's set in the 80s, like the mid 80s, and it's a part of the series. It's called May I Have Your Attention, Please. Just that title alone is already really attractive to me. So hi, Debbie. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to talk about your book. I say we dig right into it. Can you tell me what it's about? Sure. Well, my book is about two the two main characters, Sally and James, and they are starting their junior year in high school. They knew each other kind of as acquaintances in junior high, and then Sally goes to private school for a year. Doesn't work out for her, and she comes back. And her first day back, James takes a look at her walking in the door, and he's absolutely struck by her and just absolutely blown away, very, very unexpectedly. And the two of them kind of fall into, uh, very quickly, fall into uh, romance. And it's a first a first love story. thing about them is they both, and I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying it, but they both have <laughs> undiagnosed um, ADHD, um, which you can kind of pick up during the, the book. The title of the book is kind of a double thing. You learn that Sally was always trying to get attention from James and his friends back in junior high. Now James is trying to get Sally's attention. And uh, the uh, underlying thing is that they both have attention problems. So, yeah, the title came to me kind of like as one of those double meaning things. And It's um, pretty clever, actually, I think. <laughs> it doesn't really sound like much of a romance title, but I just, I, same thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is clever. I have to use it. So it was kind of fun. So yeah, we just follow them through the year and learn about them and their first love and um, how they work it among their friends, their friend group, who's going to be apparent later in the series. They both have stuff going on in their families that can be pretty tough. So they're also trying to negotiate that stuff and they help each other. So it's a coming of age. Definitely a come of age. I like that this book is very, very relatable to a lot of people. You know, when we read, if we read fantasy or something, we escape into a whole different world. But I also love reading stuff like this because it's very relatable, whether it's YA or now or whatnot. So how did this come about? What made you want to write something like this? Um, this might sound a little bit cliche, but it really did come to me in a dream. Oh, I, lo- no, I, I having- love hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of other people, I was having very, very vivid dreams during COVID. It was, I think, a coping mechanism that a lot of us had. I'm also a social worker, so you might hear me talk about things like this. But it, it came to me in a dream. I was having a dream that I was in high school and it was public high school. I personally went to private high school. Oh, and okay. I've always wondered what it would have been like if I hadn't or if I'd gone and then went back to public school. So this this time I had a dream. And in that dream, I had run into somebody, a boy that I knew in junior high. And then we kind of same thing. We kind of just all of a sudden fell into a romance. And through the years, it developed into something very wonderful. We get married and all this stuff like that. And then at the end of the dream, a voiceover comes on and says, but none of this ever really happened because <laughs> you know, Debbie didn't go to uh, back to public school. Blah, blah. So I woke up really sad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, this is so wonderful. And then I felt really compelled. It just, I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And I thought, I need to write this down. 
Now, since I went to school in the 1980s, it just made sense for me to set it in the 80s because that's what I knew. And it was so fun for me to start writing about the 80s and remembering, you know, high school isn't always the best time to remember because we're all going through a lot of emotional <laughs> right. um, ups and downs, which I try to put in the book too. But yeah, I was so compelled. It became one of my biggest coping strategies during COVID to be writing and writing and writing. I whipped this book out in a couple months. I am not kidding. And then I oh read it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've written eight, like eight books since then. I read it to myself a thousand times. I edited it a thousand times and I got really into it, showed it to my brother. And my brother said, you got to do something with this. So that's really how it came to be. I love that story. I love when others talk about, you know, from beginning to end. And especially when you're like, I wrote it in a couple months. And <laughs> that's that's insanely like creative, I think. Was it kind of difficult to write about? I know you said you went to school in the 80s, so you can bring that back. But writing now, like with the kids talking about having cell phones or texting all the time and the social media, was that kind of difficult to have to maneuver? Yeah, it was. I had to, the funny thing is I used a lot of social, uh, a lot of Google to remind myself, um, which I think is a little bit ironic. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I had to really put myself back in that mindset. And there's a lot of things that were different. I remember waiting to get a phone call back in the eighties. You know, you didn't want to go anywhere. You had to just stay put. <laughs> if anybody got on the phone, you'd be like, get off the phone. I'm waiting for a call. Right, yeah. um, when, you know, if you didn't get a phone call, you'd pick up the receiver to see if the phone was working. And then you'd worry that, <laughs> person was calling while you had the phone off the hook. And then we got caller, uh, what do you call it? Call waiting, things like that. So there, you know, there's a lot of things I had to kind of just kind of sit there, close my eyes and say, what was this like? What did it feel like? Remind myself that you couldn't just contact somebody anytime you wanted. You couldn't say, where are you? If they weren't answering their phone, they weren't at home. (laughs) Or if they did answer their phone, they were at home. That's where they were. So yeah, getting myself in that mindset was a little bit tough. Remembering how we talked during that time. Oh um, yeah, I didn't think that. Uh, and I had to remember, you know, certain things were, certain words were in there. Like, you know, I'll text you. That obviously wasn't right. there. I'll email you. Or um, let me Google this real quick. Yeah, let me, or... yeah, I'll just Google this. And I had to remember <laughs> that people used encyclopedias and went to the library. There was a lot of that going on. Dating was very different. A lot of things were safer. And also a lot of things were not safer back then. We just didn't know. So I just had to remember what the culture was like, what it was like to grow up, what parents were like. Because, you know, these are people, my parents were, you know, growing up during, or born growing up during World War II, the end of the Depression, the war era, and stuff like that. So I had to remember what it was like for them. They weren't as quite as open as parents are now. So I had to remember that. And people didn't talk about things. Like I talked to my daughter about every, I mean, everything. My mother didn't talk to me about anything. And that's not her. (laughs) She's listening to this. She knows that I love her and she was great. (laughs) But it wasn't comfortable to talk about things. So it's I definitely different, that. right? Yeah, and it's hard when you're thinking about marketing. To um, you know, I didn't intend this to be a young adult book, but since it's a high school book, it seems like it's aimed toward that. But marketing toward young adult is very difficult when you're looking at '80s stuff because mm-hmm. I want to show a lot of '80s stuff, and that's really attracting a lot of Generation X people to read Ooh, the book. So I, I <laughs> my, hear you. My, yeah, my audience <laughs> is, is kind of you know I haven't really been able to tap into the young adult audience yet. I'm still hoping to and figure out that marketing piece. But yeah, I've had a lot of people read it and say, oh my goodness, this really reminds me so much of what it was like for me. Thank you so much. The music, the feelings, the, you know, what it felt like to be growing up during the eighties. So that was, it's really nice to hear that. I love hearing that. I'm really interested in hearing more about Sally and James and your writing process on these characters. Are we getting 
two POVs, one Sally, one James? Or, and how yes. was it writing each one of those? It was hard. I've written before. I started a novel years ago and did the same thing. I did two POVs, every other chapter kind of thing. But writing for a man was really hard for me. And luckily I had a lot of male beta readers, you know, people reading it and oh. giving me some critique. A lot of them were telling me, James is really cardboard. You need to, you know, you're not really getting to the heart of James. You need to give us more personality. So I, I did. And then they were, you know, the, some of the people were very satisfied with what I did, which was nice. But I do kind of like at first the every other chapter. So it starts with James and James seeing Sally. And then I go back the second chapter and it's Sally going to this new school and giving her perspective of what it's like for her to walk into school the first time and first person she sees is James. So it's some of the same scenes from different perspectives, but then it goes into the back and forth. And then as they get together and they're more together most of the time, it's kind of more of a third person omniscient, kind of like watching what they're doing, unless they're thinking about something. And then I might put some thoughts in, which was an interesting process for me because my brother listens to, he's my, my number one, he's my alpha and my beta reader. And he listens to everything on audio. So he puts it on one of those apps. So I had to really consider every time I did a thought, I have to actually do italics and then also put he thought, she thought, because oh, if you're listening to right. an audible book. You can't, you know, you don't know if somebody's thinking or not. So right. I do that a lot. In my future books that haven't come out yet, I I definitely do a lot of back and forth too and and maybe the same thoughts, thoughts in the same chapter. Right. But yeah, so that that was kind of cool. Sally started out being me. A lot of stuff at the beginning. There's a lot of overlap between me and Sally as far as personality goes. But then, of course, she takes on a life of her own because she's doing things that I never did. And not everything about what I tell about her before that is true. <laughs> it didn't always happen to me. There are some things that did and some things that didn't. So she took on kind of a, a different train than I did. Coming up with stuff that she would say or do, depending on her own personality, was kind of fun. And James really just came out of the clear blue sky. He is, his looks and a little bit of his personality and his bad boy history come from a group of boys that I knew in junior high that I really <laughs> kind of had a crush on. And one of them is aware of that, so that's okay. And he helped me a lot. <laughs> so I kind of based their personality, his personality off a lot of those boys and what they might've been like. Again, not knowing what it's like to be a boy, especially not a boy in the 80s, going through the kinds of things he was going through. It, right. it, it was kind of tough. It was really helpful to have a lot of people read it and give me feedback and say, oh yeah, this, this is so James, you know? <laughs> like, oh, James says this. Oh, that's so James. And then putting them, the two of them together and then seeing how they would be and together. having to distinguish to make sure that there are two different people that are falling for each other. Right. And with their distinctive personalities, but then the personality they have when they're with each other, they really hit it off. I mean, in my, in my mind, when I put them together, it's like, oh, these two really are compatible. These two really belong together. So that was fun making that discovery for me. I have a kind of a process where my characters, and I think a lot of authors talk about this, my characters talk to each other inside my head. Sometimes when I'm lying in bed at night, I'll just be listening passively to what they're saying to each other. And I'll think, oh, this is a great conversation. I got to get this down. And then, you know, of course, you wake up in the morning, you can't remember most of it, but you kind of get just. <laughs> So I think when you put characters together that belong together, they kind of tell you themselves. It kind of manifests, right? It kind of exactly. manifests its, its own process. journey. I love hearing that. And I love that you're stretching it to more than just one book. You know, as much as we invest in Sally and James, we get to see beyond book one. So right. do you know how many books you want to do in a series or, or that really um, truly depends? It, well, I think I just wrote the last one in this series. I've been writing and writing and writing. I just finished book number eight, but one of those books is 
probably going to be, I have a crossover series. So this one is called McKinney, McKinney high class of 1986. And there's two high schools in town. One is McKinney and one is Murphy. And there's some overlap because some of their friends go to Murphy. And now I'm going to be moving on to Murphy high, but the way my series works is it's not linear. There's a lot of crossover. And the way I'm kind of marketing it now is there's an event that all the friends are present at. Everyone who's in in the books, who are the characters, the main characters in the book, are present at a junior prom. At one point, they're you know they're all at the prom together, and at one point, they're all in a hotel room together for an after party. And things happen at the prom to each member of the group. For some of them, they're really life changing. So each book has the junior prom in it. But what goes on around the junior prom is extremely different. So my first book is James and Sally. My second book is their friends, Carl and Kim, who are also at the junior prom, who also get mentioned during the first book. But theirs starts junior year at the prom and theirs goes a few years after. So James and Sally end at the prom. These two start at the prom and go a few years after. But then my third book, who I'm not going to say who it's about yet because (laughs) I'm surprised, actually goes back into like early childhood, the same group. So I have a couple of different perspectives in my books where they they started in in different places. So James and Sally, you think you're finished with them at the end of junior year? You're not. You're going to start learning about them in the past, in the future. Uh, You're going to see other conversations, other interactions with them. That's so cool. So you think you know them and then you're going to get to know them even better over the years. And you're going to get to know all their friends. So I tell people when you're reading my book, Pay attention to the friends, even though they don't have a big part in it. <laughs> right. They're gonna show but up. It's again. gonna pop, right? It's kind yeah. of like watching a series. You know, I was hoping and, a mini series, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I start reading this, I'm gonna start casting actors and actresses in my head, I'm sure. You yeah, know, my brother and I have done talk. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have I have one character that I want, a young Katie Holmes. You know, so in my head I and I have one girl who has red hair. And um, she's kind of awkward, but then she turns out to be gorgeous later. Oh, and cool. um, so I keep looking for red-haired actresses. So it's kind of fun <laughs> to see who to yeah. cast. I've, I've come up with a lot of pictures on AI, like the, uh, my characters, oh, just, so we can, cool. you know, just like you do like TikTok videos and stuff like that of mm-hmm. what I think they look They're not perfect, but it's been really fun really trying to fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go on there and like doing the little tweaks and trying to get them just right and everything. Right. A lot of them, they look alike because, you know, you, there's not a whole huge variety of AI. I mean, like good looking brown haired, you know, right. any style, you know, eyes <laughs> brown hair, but it's so fun. I love that stuff. How important was it for you to add in the mental health aspect in these books. You know, you chose the ADHD part. How important was that? My training and my career has been as a social worker. So for me, it comes pretty naturally. I'm also diagnosed with ADHD. I went through school. I, I wasn't diagnosed until I was about 30. I, I suspected as, an, as a younger adult, but mm-hmm. I was diagnosed and looked back on my life and realized how different it would have been if I, you know, if it had been maybe 30 years later and I had been diagnosed with ADHD, maybe put on medication or maybe given some accommodations where people would say, oh no, it's really not okay that Debbie's not handing in her homework every day. (laughs) You know, she's not just being lazy. She really doesn't know how to sit down and get started. So it was kind of important to me to put that in there to show how awkward it can be for people who don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know what's going on. It's a tough time figuring it out. I've also put, right. because it's, it's very, very important to me, the mental health aspect, because I work mainly with adults with mental illness, I put a lot of other stuff. There's In my books, there's a lot of depression, anxiety, mental health issues, substance abuse issues. You know, I also deal with a lot of LGBTQ stuff, not in the first, a little bit in the first book, but mostly in some of the upcoming books where I actually have characters who are identified as all those LGBT and Q. 
dealing with the coming out, the the ramifications, the way people are treated. The book I'm writing right now, which is the first in the next series, has to do with bullying. There is some bullying in the book. So dealing with that, how parents deal with it. I talk a lot about going into therapy or some kind of treatment like AA or getting support from your friends, learning about what's going on with you. So it's really, really important to me that people are exposed to this, especially young people. I think that it's important that they know that if I feel weird when I'm in high school, I'm not alone. A lot of people feel weird and it's normal. I mean, that's the weird thing is it's normal to feel weird and to feel different. Even though it's normal, though, it's still important to talk to people about it and figure out what's going on because even if it's normal, sometimes it needs intervention. I made a comment earlier how relatable this is and it's even more relatable when you're putting in all those aspects in the book with just dealing with peer pressure like or the bullying or just mental illness. Mm-hmm. This is not only entertaining, it's really kind of important too. So I like that this encompasses almost everything that's in a life of a high school kid. So this is actually really awesome, <laughs> Debbie. Thanks. What else can you tell me more about you as an author? You've told me a good amount, but what else can you tell me? I can tell you that I have wanted to write since I was a little girl. And I, I see this on Facebook all the time. Everybody's saying, or on blurbs on books. Mm-hmm. I've been writing since I was 12 in junior high. <laughs> You're like, but it's true. <laughs> and 12 must be the day, that time when people really feel like they can start writing stuff in substance. But I started wanting to be a sportscaster. I was a very, very huge Boston sports fan. And this is, this is incorporated into all my books too. Red Sox, especially, and Patriots are a big part of my books. Sally is a gigantic (laughs) Boston sports fan, and that comes from me. I wanted to to go to college, become a broadcaster, and become one of the first female sportscasters. I wanted to be on the news in Boston. That was my big deal. There was a a sportscaster that I watched there all the time, and I wanted to be just like him. So (laughs) I would write articles about the Red Sox games and stuff like that. And that morphed into me imagining that I was older and a sportscaster and I was married to one of the famous Boston sports people and that I was starting their story. So I have two novels that I wrote when I was young and I found one of them not that long ago. It wasn't too bad for like a 12 to 14 year old. Um, (laughs) Then in in high school and college, I wrote a lot of poetry, a lot of dark kind of probably this is before goth and emo and everything. So I was ahead of my time writing all this dark and angsty poetry. And then I journaled a lot in college, but I didn't come back to writing in full until about 19 years ago when I started writing a novel that it's, it's, it's currently unfinished and I'm trying to get it all from the old word processor things I need to get it converted. But the only reason I stopped writing was because I got pregnant and babies need to get their creativity from somewhere. So my daughter sucked all my creativity out of my brain and I had to start <laughs> I finally realized I was going to a group every week and I had okay. nothing new. I'm like, I just can't yeah. write. Like there's a big pause. <laughs> yeah. So once my daughter kind of got old enough that she didn't need me every minute, um, you know, like, it took me a while to get back into it. And like I said, it was a year ago, November. So a year and a half that I started writing and it's been so cathartic to me that I just feel like when I don't have something to write, I have to start something new. This group of people, it's, it takes place, my series takes place in a fictional town called Eastboro, Massachusetts. And I need to give a quick shout out to my brother who got me the name Eastboro because in Massachusetts, there's Northboro, Southboro, and Westboro, but there's no Eastboro. Oh, so, huh. <laughs> it was so funny. So Eastboro, Massachusetts. Now. <laughs> yeah, now there is. And I'm not, I'm not anywhere near ready to leave Eastboro. And the beauty of it is that I can do anything I want in Eastboro. I can put in a company, I can put in a lake, I can make the houses of the, the streets any way I want them to be. It's kind of like world building in, in science fiction and fantasy. That's been so much fun for me. But yeah, I kind of feel like in, you know, I'm part-time living in Portland, Oregon and part-time living in Eastboro, Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts. So <laughs> I think that that Eastboro is going to be around for a long time. Even in the future, if I do like some sequels where like these people's kids grow up and I'm writing, you right. know, like these millennial stories, if I do enough research and figure out what millennials do in the world, <laughs> I think it'll still be an Eastboro. I still like the fact that I get to read about school in the 80s. That's That's <laughs> what I'm really... Really excited about it also not only just Sally and James in general, but just all the everything surrounding Sally and James. So Debbie, where can we get your book? Well, right now my book is on Amazon. Very, very easy. It's Amazon.com slash author slash DBM quick. You can also get it on Barnes and Noble. You can pretty much anywhere you get ebook. I have a webpage where there's a ton of links and it's Debbie D-E-B-B-Y Meltzer Quick author.com. There's a bunch of links on how to get my book on there. There's also a contact page where you can sign up to get on my newsletter, which has all the information about things that are coming up. I'm all over social media. Um, You can find me on TikTok and Facebook, Instagram, and also Goodreads. And if you just do a search for Debbie Meltzer quick, you can find me. I think you can just find me on Google pretty much. At this <laughs> I'm saturated social media. I'm having so much fun on TikTok. How has it been since you published the first in the series here? It's been exciting. The first month I sold a ton of books, more than people I know, which is good, you know, because I, I don't know. For the first month I sold 65 books. I don't know 65 people. So, you know, the, I don't so think even it was better. The, the toughest part has been marketing as an independent publisher. I have to make right. people know that the book is out there. And that's the thing. And my brother always says, if we can get this book in front of people, you know, if right. we can get this series in front of people, it will sell because it, he, he really likes it. It's, I mean, he's my brother, it's but he's good, also a good, he has good book. Taste. It's a great yeah. book. Yeah. He also told me I have a similar writing style to Colleen Hoover. So <laughs> I want to put that out Ooh. there. And I'm glad you're here. So hopefully this garners things around the series because I do want people to get to know Sally and James and their friends and East Borough too. So just so people can get into this. Well, I want to say thank you for coming by today and talking to me about this world that you've built and you as an author, any last minute thing you want to say before we go today? I just want to thank you so much for having me on. I hope that a lot of people find um, interest in the book from listening to this. I hope so too. And then just, you know, just like people say, tip your waiters when they're doing musical performances. I just want to say, (laughs) write reviews for your authors, especially if you like their books, because it's just so important. I mean, I want to say that everywhere, to be honest. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you next time, Debbie. I hope you come back once you, you're in the middle of the series or anything really, because I, I want to know more about Sal and James and her and their friends. Thank you. But I will talk to you later. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me About Your Book. Please continue to support indie authors and indie bookstores. And if you would love to support Tell Me About Your Book podcast, You can certainly do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tellmepodcast. For a price of a coffee, you can support monthly for just $5. There's other tiers too in the memberships and you can look at all the info about it. And I would certainly, certainly appreciate it. And of course, there's the other podcast, Books, Cats and Snacks, where Caddy and I talk all things book and about her cats too. See you then.